0: Second Peter chapter one, beginning in verse sixteen. Hear the word of God. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The grass withers and the flower
1: fades, uh, but the word of the Lord endures forever, and so among us. There are a number of uh, impressive and encouraging. Things in this passage, but we're zeroing in on just one of them for this morning as we're focusing on scripture, and that one is this: it is the difference between scripture and experience. Not too complicated. The difference between scripture and experience, and that's you might not think of it this way, but that's somewhat of a controversial notion. Um, maybe it's very much what we would expect in the church. Uh, but, but it's saying that there is something else than, something other than just what you experience. So, so even then, for your own uh, personal reality, it's implying that it's, that it's bigger than just what you're aware of, right? Because if, if God is real, and that's certainly true, there's more than just what you're aware of in it. But not only is there something else than experience, uh, but the passage is the passages going further and saying that... That in some ways, Scripture is better than experience. It's even better than our experience because, even with an appreciation of religion, appreciation of, of spirituality, even, uh, what's our focus a lot of times? How we come to that a lot of times is concerned to, to have a better spiritual experience. Uh, that that's just one aspect of our experience. We want that to be, to be fuller and better and more, more encouraging. That's great. Uh, not undercutting that at all. We want that. We value uh, that experience. Uh, but, but Peter pushes even one step further in this passage, not just the difference between Scripture and experience, and, and more not just that there's something else than, that that is better than experience, but he goes one step further to say in this passage that we need Scripture in order to evaluate our experience that we need the Word of God in order to be able to have a grasp on even the things that we know, the things that we don't know, the things that are happening all around us. So while your experience, my experience, while the way that we go through life is, is deeply important and profound, that it impacts so much of who you are or what matters to you, what you see as your identity and purpose and how you want to live comes from just what things you have experienced, but also... We often don't know how to interpret what happened to us. Are there things that come up in our life and we go, what am I supposed to do with this? Uh, Or or why did that happen? What does it mean? Where do we go uh, from there? We need scripture to evaluate our experience. You see that in verse 19. Uh, Particularly in some ways we're almost just focusing in on verse 19, but we'll look at the whole thing. Peter makes this interesting but somewhat unusual statement uh, when he says, and we have something more sure, the prophetic word, we have something more sure in Scripture. That's where we're going to be going uh, this morning. Going to start off with just the maybe general observation that when we, when we come to Scripture, usually what we're doing is we're, we're looking for a good experience uh, from Scripture. Right? We want it to be good and beneficial and valuable uh, to us, and that, that's great. Uh, but maybe sometimes we just ask the question uh, how does it make me feel?" or how, how did it make me feel? My time in the word, my time listening out uh, to the word, if it was uplifting and encouraging, great. Uh, sometimes maybe even if it was convicting, uh, deeply, and we could see that more then we, that we value that. If we're given insight. Uh, if we're confirmed in some understanding or some path that we thought we were supposed to be going uh, down that straight, or even if it's just a, just a fuller experience. Right? That, your, that your mind was stimulated uh, and your emotions were moved and your will was directed uh, and you felt caught up in it. We go, yes, this is good and we value it. Maybe other times, though, if, uh, if we feel confused as we come to Scripture or when we feel uh, overwhelmed, maybe sometimes it's that we're challenged in an unwelcome way. We didn't really like where it seemed like that was pushing us. We just didn't connect very well with what we saw in Scripture or what we heard, um, or just that we were bored. Then we tend to go, eh, it wasn't that great? What Wasn't that worthwhile uh, for me, right? Now, I'm not saying there's no place for those questions and those evaluations. That's helpful, that's important. We want to strive toward a great experience uh, with Scripture. But I want, do, do you see how backwards that is? Do you see how much that approach has flipped everything upside down because what we're doing there is we're, we're evaluating Scripture by our own experience of it. We're evaluating the worth and the value of Scripture by just what did it do for me or what did it do for me in this moment? And here in Second Peter, as we hear the, rationality that, the rationale that, that Peter describes, uh, it's, it's the reverse, it's the opposite of that. Instead of wanting, just coming and wanting Scripture to give us a good experience, uh, we should instead be going to Scripture to understand our experience, uh, to direct our life uh, forward. We should be instead uh, submitting our experience to God, uh, to His Word, to learn how to respond. So we're going to look at uh, two sides of it uh, through uh, this passage. But just to be asking that as we approach this, we hear the way that Peter talks. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference between Scripture and experience? What do you do with that difference? How does it affect you? So first of all, the, the eyewitness experience. In verse 16, as, as Peter goes on, what he's doing is he's talking to them about his, his experience. Right, He's telling about something that happened to in his life. Uh, he is saying that he was an eye witness. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Uh, what Peter is doing here, and this is near the end of his life, uh, he is drawing us back and reminding us to one of the absolutely most amazing experiences of his life. I'll go a little bit further than that. I would say it has to be one of the absolutely most amazing experiences in all of history. If I could have been a, if I could be a proverbial fly on the wall and just observe some moment in history, there's a lot of things that might come to mind, uh, but, but this would be one of those. Uh, he's talking about what we uh, describe as the transfiguration. You can read about it if you want. You can turn there because we'll mention several things from it. It's in Matthew 17. It's in Mark 9. It's in, it's in Luke 9. Uh, When Peter, James, and John were with Jesus, just the three of them, and they went up on a high mountain. And then as the passage of Scripture records it for us, uh, Jesus was transfigured before them. He changed. Uh, Matthew uh, 17 uh, says that his face shone like the sun. (laughs) Uh, We're in Florida. We know what the bright sun is like. You can't Jesus is there with him and now his face is shining bright like the sun. His clothes become dazzling white, white like light. That's how it describes it. Uh, and they are overwhelmed It's amazing. Is as close as you could get to uh, what people sometimes call the beatific vision. Right here, they had a foretaste of the future glory of Jesus—the glory that Jesus will have when He returns and makes all things uh, right, and we will see Him in the fullness of His glory. Uh, there, before He had died, before He was resurrected, they got a glimpse at that—a window into Jesus's divine glory, into into the fullness of His resurrected and exalted glory. Just a moment, on the mountain, they were there, and they saw it. And Peter's telling us about it, their own eyes with their own ears. Uh, He's reminding us of this experience that here near the end of his life still uh, stays with him uh, in tight focus because it stands out as making the reality of the gospel uh, so clear of who Jesus is of how we should follow him, of the future hope that he leads us to. It's an absolutely amazing experience. And as Peter talks about it, he wants us to understand that it is absolutely reliable, right? Uh, <clears throat> though it was an extreme experience and not one that fits in the daily life of what you would ever expect to happen, and he didn't have any category of what to do with it when it happened, he's still saying, this is real, guys, this happened. We were there. I saw it with my own eyes. I heard it uh, with my own ears. It's his, his very purpose in bringing it up, right, in the way that he says in this passage. Like, guys, we didn't make this thing up. Uh, this, wasn't, this wasn't fake news. This wasn't just uh, slanted at an angle to kind of get people to le- believe certain things about Jesus. I say it wasn't cleverly devised myths. It wasn't, oh, here's a great story we could come up with. He says, you can believe it because it happened. We were there. We saw it. We heard it. It was verifiable. There's three of us there experiencing it. As reliable, you can depend on it. That Jesus really is Lord and God. So we should hope in him and follow him. So if it's absolutely reliable, though, then then verse 19 starts to feel a little weird sometimes. If it's absolutely reliable, then how could something be, be more sure? Right? What could be more sure than something that's already uh, completely uh, sure? And that's what we need to remember if you go back to Matthew 17 or, or Mark or Luke 9, that when Peter had this experience, uh, he absolutely missed it. Uh, he did not get what was going on he he experienced he saw it he heard it but he he didn't get uh, what was happening at all and he hasn't forgotten that now uh, i think it would have to be somewhat embarrassing uh, if you were peter and I, I love it that in all the passages of scripture that recorded it, that it's just open about the fact that peter did not get how significant this moment i uh, was Here's what it says as it, as it happens, uh, that Jesus is transfigured before them. His face is bright as the sun. His clothes are shining with white. And then Moses and Elijah are there, right? Uh, these greatest figures from the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah are there with Jesus and talking to Jesus. And Peter and James and John are, are amazed and stunned and don't know what to do. Peter, of course, isn't one to just sit back and do nothing. Uh, He jumps in. He speaks up. He says something. And he says to Jesus, Lord, if if it's good, I'm going to make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And you're like, oh, Peter. Peter, you missed it, man. You missed it. Uh, He didn't get who Jesus, Moses and Elijah didn't miss it. Uh, They knew that they were speaking to the Messiah. They knew that they were speaking to God's son, God in the flesh. This is the one that they've always been speaking about, the God that they worship and glorify. But as Peter's there and he sees this, he's like, oh, my goodness, Jesus really is amazing. But he thinks Jesus really is amazing, like way up there like Moses and Elijah. Like, oops, right? Not the God that Moses and Elijah talked about, the Savior they spoke of, but he's a great teacher like them. So we should have three tents, one for each of you. Um, He experienced it, but he he did not understand it. He didn't know how to interpret that experience. He absolutely missed it until, until when? Uh, When does he get it? As soon as the pastor says, as soon as Peter makes this uh, uh, offer to Jesus, let's make three tents uh, that God interrupts. The God clarifies uh, that a voice comes out of heaven uh, from the glory cloud and speaks and says, this, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I listen to him. The passage says that Peter, James, and John were kind of struck with fear on the ground, and Jesus came and spoke to them and touched them, and they looked up and they saw uh, Jesus only. Right? So when did they get it? They got it. Peter understood the experience once God's word spoke and explained it to him, and clarified what that experience was and why it was important. Uh, to make clear that it was about Jesus and who Jesus is as the one that we need. And and this memory, this direction, this uh, listen to Him makes is what makes sense of why Peter goes on to say. Uh, And we have something more sure. And it actually, as Peter records the transfiguration here, and you compare it to those other passages, each of those other passages have this phrase, listen to him. And Peter doesn't say that, but he goes on to say, and we have something more sure, the word. right? That's Peter's eyewitness experience. One of the greatest experiences of history. Uh, His eyewitness experience of Jesus' majesty that makes the gospel so clear that he's trying to ground uh, his readers in because it should motivate us to live out the truth of it. Uh, For for us, that's now even been inscripturated in the the gospel, so we can understand it that way. But for Peter, near the end of his life, he's reminding us to rest in that truth. And... He wants to ground us more firmly, more firmly in the word of God that everywhere gives more than our experience. So if you've seen the eyewitness experience, now secondly, uh, to see how he talks about this, something uh, that's more sure, uh, that we have something uh, more sure in scripture. He goes immediately uh, from saying that we heard this very voice on the mountain and we have something more sure, the prophetic word. Uh, what Peter's doing is making clear that what is, is more reliable for us even is Scripture. Uh, the phrase, the prophetic word, is one that they would use just to describe the whole of the Old Testament. Right? It's not particular prophecies or particular passages or types of passages. It's just the whole of Scripture, the whole of the Old Testament uh, is, is more sure. Um, and I hope that we'll, what I want us to see it is a great benefit to us to have something that we can rely on more than just our own experience, more than just our own limited perspective, uh, with our blind spots, with, our, with the things that we miss, more than just what my mind can comprehend or more than my senses I can feel. But we need that. Uh, and sometimes we're deeply uh, thankful uh, for it. and It's such a relief to us. It means you're not just stuck uh, with, with, with the opinions that you already have. And you're not just limited to, right, we see the value of, of other people's experience too, but it's still in that same category of experience where you're not just limited to uh, what, what your friends think or what your culture thinks, uh, because we also have cultural blind spots and ignorances and things that we miss. And so we need to see that there's something more and what that gives us. Now, I do need to pause and say, as we're talking about verse 19 in particular, uh, that the translation of verse 19 is maybe less clear. Hopefully you haven't already been confused, Uh, but your Bible may well translate it differently than how I read it. I read it as, uh, um, and we have something more sure the prophetic word. Some translations will put it differently than that. Uh, in fact, the ESV, when it first came out, it translated this way. And, and now, a few years later, they've changed the translation. And, uh, and it says, uh, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. <clears throat> and the idea is just this. There's a little bit of ambiguity in the Greek. It leans more out of the way that I've been talking about it. But you could read it either way. Uh, and the idea is they're concerned of, surely, Peter isn't saying that the transfiguration is less reliable. Uh, And you can translate in such a way where, okay, if this really happened, then that is confirming how true Scripture is as the fulfillment of it. And so it's just a, it's okay, there's just a little bit of debate sometimes of how you could translate something. Everyone agrees what words are there, what God actually said, but what do do we mean by it? Uh, So I bring that out, one, just so you're not confused if you're looking at your Bible and you're like, that's not what mine says. But also, I think this is really helpful it's helpful for what we're talking about. It's helpful because it focuses us on what it is that's so reliable. What is it that's so uh, confirmed and so sure? And it's, it's this. It's whatever God says. Uh, it's not just our interpretation of it. You see the rationale as you read on in the verses. That's what he's He's bringing out. Uh, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. It's not like God gave the prophets an experience or an experience of a message uh, from him or a vision, and then their job is to say, okay, that was amazing. How do I communicate what that was about? Uh, If God did that, then we would have Matthew 17 or Mark 9 would communicate, Jesus was really great like Moses and Elijah. Uh, It would miss it. Right? It's not just that they're saying, what, how do I interpret what this is? But it's saying it actually comes from God himself. Uh, the very message, the very record of it is authored by God through those human offers. It's as if they were carried along uh, by the Holy Spirit. So there are times when we wonder about what is the interpretation of various passages of Scripture or how do you translate things, and that's okay. Scripture as a whole is clear. And what God says is always exactly right, and exactly what we depend on. And what this means is, you can't just when someone just says, "Here's my opinion," and Scripture supports me. Well, does, does it or doesn't it? Or just I'm going to launch in this opinion and throw these this uh, verse out of context as if now my opinion has greater weight, or you should definitely believe it. The question is, what's God actually said? What we depend on is what God has said. Let's make it. Simple, clear. If you're not following all those things, right? Scripture is greater than experience. Why? Because God is greater than we are. So what comes from God is greater than what comes from us, and we need to depend on what comes from God. In the same way that we need to depend on what comes from God is in salvation and through His Son. So as we come to the Word, he says to pay attention to it because it's. It's what actually gives light to the dark places. It's what actually gives light to our experiences. It's kind of fun. I was going over the sermon uh, last night around 9 o'clock in Tallahassee. This just feels like it happens more and more now, but the power went out. Um, Power went out at 9 o'clock, and it was very dark. So we're, we're scrambling around our house trying to find uh, what lights actually have batteries in them, and the uh, girls are having fun lighting some of the candles and putting the candles out, uh, because you can't function and still go around what you need to do if you don't have light in it. That's what's true for our life. We don't know how to function and go about it unless we have uh, the light of God's word evaluating our experience, showing us what's there. i give you a hard example. Uh, because I think after all the hearings this week, uh, everyone has, um, has assault on their minds and the trauma and the difficulty of experiences that go along with that. Uh, and far too many people have experienced those, uh, that, that kind of trauma as well. And, and for those who have gone through it, um, so, some of the counseling books that I've, that I've, I've read talk about this. Sometimes there's this question that goes along with it. When you're saying, what, what, what happened to me? Did you also say, why did that happen to me? And then it easily starts to turn toward, what's wrong with me that that happened to me? Uh, why? Did, did I deserve it? Did I do something that, that... Should I be treated like that? Is that what my worth really is? Right, do we all want to say, no, no, exactly this. Someone else doing something to you, there's the wrong. But it can still feel that way. And it is so helpful when scripture can speak truth in that situation and every other situation to say, here's God's perspective on these things. That God sees all things and he calls out those who are wrong. He's not blind to it. He's not letting it go. This is not just the way that the world is supposed to work. But God is a just judge who is gonna bring that judgment. And you can go and you can read Psalms like Psalm 10 where it calls that out. And the psalmist is saying, God, break the arm of the evildoer. Uh, that God is a God who cares for those who are hurt and have been oppressed. God is a God who condemns uh, the selfishly uh, powerful. Or if you start worrying about the other side of it in, in, the, in the Supreme Court, whether that's hope for the Supreme Court or fear for the Supreme Court, it is so good to come back to Scripture and say the Supreme Judge is Jesus. And He's fully righteous, and He sees all things. And he is compassionate and understands all things. And he will deal with all things and make them right. And that's where we can rest. It's great to have something more than our feelings, to have light that shines into a dark place that we can uh, bring hope from. Uh, When you're you're feeling guilty, uh, and if you've brought those things to God, if we come, we see the way that we're off, but sometimes it can feel like, I've got to get this right first. I've got to fix these things before I can come to God. Or I don't know if God wants me anymore. When I see how bad the things I've done. But I have scripture that says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the light comes in, and a window of fresh air, that you can look at things differently than just what you feel. And we're, we're overwhelmed by fear and worry and anxiety. Uh, to be reminded that scripture says we do not receive a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-control that's working and moving within us. Uh, when we don't know what's coming or which way to go or how to tackle it, to still hear Psalm 23 saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I have no lack. He, he's leading me. or or when we feel kind of uh, proud and and start to become a little bit arrogant uh, to hear scripture saying that God opposes the proud, uh, but that God gives grace to the humble. Uh, When we start to feel hopeless, depressed, or worthless and not valuable, to hear that we're made in God's image, Uh, to hear that the broken and contrite heart he does not despise, but wants us to come to him, we feel like there, there is no God, or, or like he doesn't care, like he's not there or not listening, uh, to, to hear that yet he is not far from each one of us, as Paul says in Acts. Uh, when we feel like death is all that there is, and then we just need to, need to deal with that, because that's, that's the way life goes. Uh, to hear scripture mockingly saying, death, where is your victory? Uh, but thanks be to God who has given us the victory over death. It's given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't want to imply that it's just that easy. That anytime you f- you feel something, well, just these these little phrases from Scripture pop up, and that, that helps you uh, deal with it. Sometimes it's there, and that's great. But it's not all. It's not always that easy. Um, sometimes it's really difficult. Uh, sometimes it's really hard. Uh, sometimes the experience of it feels uh, feels a lot harder. And sometimes it can take a while. I'd put it this way. If we're trying to learn just who we are and what we're to do uh, to, to learn identity, to learn our identity as a people uh, taken out of slavery, uh, but who sometimes still want to go back into that slavery uh, rather than follow God. It takes a little bit to get there. But the more you read the Pentateuch, the more you keep reading Exodus and, and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, you go, ah. Oh, this is part of my identity. Redeeming people of God, that I need to keep leaning on his promises that are leading me forward. We're realizing how much uh, we struggle to live out those promises, how, how much we struggle to live out the victory that God has already given f- uh, to us, how we struggle to live out that victory over sin and over injustice and over oppression and how much help we need in that. But the more you read Joshua, And the more you read Judges and the cycle of struggles that God's people go through in that, you realize this is my story. This is the help I need, not just my own perspective, but God providing the Messiah that would lead me through it. When we think about the mission of what God's people are, are called to, Uh, How God is creating a new society uh, that's not just uh, one one culture or one race or one economic class or, or one gender or certain priorities within all those things. But one new people grounded together with an identity in Christ and moving us forward in that. And how he calls us to, to live that out. And while it feels like all kind of things get in the way of it, that actually, well, because God is working, all those things that feel like they get in the way of it never slow down the growth of the kingdom of Christ. Because he's working through all those things. And it doesn't always feel that way. It often doesn't feel that way. It feels the opposite of that. But the more you're in Acts, the more you read the, uh, the scripture and read Acts and read the New Testament epistles, the more you see it you have the light of that truth made known to us. Listen, maybe maybe Scripture doesn't seem more sure to you when you read it. I understand that. Uh, but continue to come to it. Test it out. This is what it's saying about itself. Find out whether, whether it's true. This is how he's given it for us. Not just for our experience in the moment, but to continue to inquire more until the light comes on. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises uh, in your heart. God doesn't leave us to interpret the world ourselves, uh, he, he interprets it for us. And He centers us on His Son who has done
0: all for us,
1: He has given us His Word to guide us through a living in his world, living well in his world. There's something more sure and it's scripture. So we kind of learn not just to trust our answer to that question, uh, how does it make me feel? Right? Because uh, you know what makes me feel good? Ah, sugar. I really like sugar. My sweet tea is super sweet. Uh, I love ice cream. Ice cream are great. We went to Donut Kingdom the other day. Donuts are amazing. They make me feel good. When I and I always want to get like the donut holes and the dozen donuts, but I try not to do that. Uh, fatty foods try to make, can make you feel great, but they're not necessarily healthy. Um, I hear heroin makes people feel really good. Right? Cocaine's going to be an amazing experience. Uh, morphine makes you want more and more. Uh, compliments feel really good. Winning. Man, we like to win. Feels good when we can experience uh, that. Uh, so does being right. Not that the truth of it doesn't necessarily feel as good as just, as just feeling like we're, we're right. Uh, to people in a, in a rough state of mind sometimes, uh, self harm. Uh, feels like the most fitting response to what they're going through. It feels like what they want. Um, it can feel good to, to benefit from unjust systems of society. To benefit from it feels better than to try to work toward a change within it, not the experience that we want. Even when Peter is experiencing one of the greatest experiences possible of the future of glory of Jesus, he didn't know what to do with it. He didn't know how to respond until God spoke to him. So we have to remember not to get it flipped around, not to come at scripture backwards, not evaluating scripture by our experience, but letting God's word evaluate our experience. Let Jesus tell you about yourself, about your identity in him, about your purpose and your worth and your future hope that he is grounded and how he leads you forward. It is an inestimable privilege to us uh, to have this book, to be able to open it up and to read it, to have words outside our own experience that speaks into all of our experience. To have word from God himself about all that we need. To Have a word from God himself who showed the glory of Jesus his son. And says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him.